Thank you for tuning in. Welcome. Uh, Jack is sick. He uh, has what may be the flu. We're not sure. He uh, showed up today and, and we heaved him out. Um, once again, you know what? And, and the emails uh, are going out from companies and bosses are making the announcements and everything else that if you're sick, stay home. Nobody wants to see you. Everybody's really, you know, concerned about the flu going around. And, you know, a lot of us care for youngsters or oldsters or, or people with weakened immune systems or whatever. You know, and, and, and uh, tell you what, if I'm, if I start thinking I've got the flu, you're not going to see me for weeks. I'm going to take like five, six weeks off just to be safe. Uh, if you need me, I'll <laughs> I'll be in Hawaii. So a couple of things very briefly uh, on the uh, Marshall did a really nice job of explaining the uh, terrible. It's an absolute tragedy. School shooting in Kentucky. Who knows what was it? What happening there? Maybe just an angry, stupid coward. Maybe there's bullying. Maybe there's scores to be settled. But any time a child dies, it's just it's unthinkable. And we got to do something about it. Right. But the New York Times with their 11 school shootings already this year, one every other day. But they included. Suicides, mm, arguable. School lockdowns, because there was a shooting somewhere in the neighborhood. And like a shooting on a sprawling college campus that had nothing to do with anything with the school. It was just citizens of that town who, and trust me, I went to a big college. It, the, the campus covered, you know, a huge chunk of the town. There were all sorts of people who didn't go to school there, had nothing to do with the school there, going back and forth and living their lives. So it was just ridiculous, and and a friend who happens to be on a school board uh, mentioned that a couple of bullets were found on the ground at a school, and he's pretty certain that number is being counted, that that incident is being counted in the 11 number, because they locked the the schools down, nothing was found, everybody said, all right, cool, everybody, we're fine, we went, go back to, to classes, but that was included in the number. Come on, New York Times, God, that's awful. And then uh, this positive, Sean discovered this on the Twitter machine. Hello. Uh, Paul Ryan tweeting a link to a CNBC story. Breaking news, Verizon says employees other than top management will receive 50 shares of restricted stock, the price of which will be set on Feb 1, et cetera, et cetera, because of the new tax laws. And Paul Ryan tweets, hey, Nancy Pelosi, can you hear us now? Hashtag tax reform. Oh! A devastating blow from the plucky Wisconsinite, who has the two attributes you need for success, a widow's peak and blue eyes. Really? I stood there vividly. I I remember this vividly. I stood there fascinated the first time I ever went to Alcatraz. Uh, you know, up toward the top, if you've ever been there, it's 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 an island. It's a really steep hill, and you climb up, and you you go to the actual prison. But you you're told that nobody's ever escaped from the rock. And maybe it's just a guy thing, but you stand there looking at the water, and you look over toward San Francisco. And you think, or I thought at the time, because I was a pretty strong swimmer, I thought, what the hell? If I had some sort of anything to help me float, and maybe you don't even need that. Because, you know, I can do the, what do you call it, the, um, what, what do you, in swimming class, when you have to take your mandatory swimming class, you're on your side, and it's, it's the, uh, 
It's like the the super the side, lazy side try not to drown stroke. Or there's a name for it. That's funny. It was years ago. But it takes no effort. And you just kind of float and push yourself along as it becomes convenient. And anyway, you can float practically. As long as you don't panic or freeze, you can float almost indefinitely. Then they explain to you, well, no, no, no. It's that the water's really, really cold. And you'll get hypothermic in a big hurry. And the currents... You think, oh, look at that! Uh, one of the one of the, uh, the the chilling to me, heartbreaking parts of the tour of Alcatraz is they talk about how the inmates. What are you pointing at him for? What are you pointing at? I can't see that effing oh. TV from where I sit. Larry Nasser speaking in court. Doctor, uh, seriously, how many times Dr. have Lock I said I can't see that TV screen? It's been like four, hasn't it? I can't see that. Why isn't it mounted yet? What about Larry Nasser? He's speaking in court. When I have something going, let's try not to interrupt me midstream, if we can avoid that. Where was I? I was on Alcatraz Island. Can you You're record it? Can, since we have effing $100 million worth of technology, can we record it and go to it when I'm done? That'd be great. So, you're standing there on Alcatraz. One of the heartbreaking things they mentioned on the tour is that these guys who had no hope of getting out, they could hear the women's voices and the laughter and everything if the wind was right, like they were standing next to them from over in the marina and the restaurants and the bars and stuff like that. And these, you know, poor sons of bitches who generally had done something pretty serious to get there. It was just, it was tantalizing and torture to them to hear that. So, the, so anyway, you stand there thinking about that and you're thinking, wow. I'm sure I could do it. I'm sure I can do it. But then they explain to you that, no, the, the water's way too cold and the current is way too swift. You'd be swept out into the Pacific and eaten by sharks. And they always tell you about the 1962 prison break in which Frank Morris and John and Clarence Anglin chiseled a hole into the prison wall and headed into the bay. They had homemade paddles and a raft made of raincoats. They're, they were found to be missing in a bed check, I think. Um, and, and they were never seen again, presumed to have been swept out to the Pacific and died. Um, I guess they found the uh, paddles and the, and the raft and stuff like that. I don't remember. Sean, do you remember the particulars of finding their materials and stuff? Because obviously something was found if they knew how they did it. Right. Yeah, I, I remember that being found. Because I, too, like you, have been on at least two tours of Alcatraz, probably more. Mm-hmm. So everybody believes that they're swept away and died, and nobody's ever successfully escaped from Al- Alcatraz. Now, KPIX-5 reports that a letter was delivered to the San Francisco PD's Richmond station a couple of years ago that was kept quiet, but KPIX was able to see it via source in the uh, PD, obviously. It was purportedly from John Anglin, one of the escapees, who in the letter says, I'm 83... I live in Southern California, and I'm in bad shape due to cancer. It explains that my brother Clarence died in 2011, and uh, Morris Frank Morris died in 2008, and says it proposes a deal. If you announce on TV that I'll be promised to first go to jail for no more than a year and get medical attention, I will write back to let you know exactly where I am. This is no joke. 
The FBI took a look at the letter's handwriting and any fingerprints or DNA on it said inconclusive. That's what uh, they want you to think. The U.S. Marshals say, no, we didn't think it was legit. We're not pursuing it any farther. Of course, this was several years ago, and if indeed the guy was in pretty bad shape from cancer and he's in his 80s, he's probably gone now anyway. But what do you think? I, I believe this to be true because I have also believed that the movie Rock is actually a documentary. Uh, the 1996 classic with Sean Connery. Yeah. He was actually playing himself. Before he was James Bond, he was in Alcatraz. I think he actually was one of the first people to successfully escape. He only agreed to do the movie The Rock if they let him play himself as an older man trying to break back in. Let me sure if I under- see if I understand this. You think John Anglin escaped, changed his name to Sean Connery, adopted a Scottish accent. Yes, to throw people off. And it did. It, it did, obviously, for years. And then, and then he he was in the the movie mm-hmm. as kind of a uh, a middle finger to the authorities and an excellent way to establish himself as a major movie star who is alive to this day. And then it was his his career dream to play himself in the movie, and uh, they kind of found a way to do that with The Rock. And uh, I yeah, documentary. I'm actually Alcatraz escapee John England Moneypenny. <laughs> that is surprising, Sean. That is quite the theory. I don't have a lot of evidence for that. It's just a theory. At this God, point. I want so badly to believe this is true. You know, it's it's right out of the D.B. Cooper thing. So that the whole, you know, thinking, you, yeah, I can make it out of Alcatraz. That's the exact same impulse of, and maybe I shouldn't admit this, but when I walk into a bank, I look around. I'm oh, like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm like a wheel man yep. and uh, a couple degrees of not caring about people away from, I think I could pull this off. I spent a couple hours once um, fueled by the grape, as Marshall would put it, with two of the smartest people I know uh, plotting how to get away with a murder. I don't even want to hit anybody, much less kill them. Um, well, there are a few. Um, but uh, I don't know. It's a mental exercise. It's it's a good. It's good for the brain. Plot a murder today, folks. That's what I recommend. Keeps your mind nimble. So when we come back, tape of the the inhuman and inhumane... Dr. Horror there, Nasser. Well, well, we'll see how it is when we get back. See if we can get to the best countries to live on Earth. And, oh, you know what? Speaking of movie stars, Richard Gere is explaining why he's not in movies anymore, and I think he's probably right. Stay with us. It's the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The voice of the West. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Rummaker Bacardi announced yesterday that it's acquiring Patron Spirits for $5.1 billion. And like most Bacardi announcements, it was shouted at 5 a.m. in the backseat of an Uber. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Unfortunate but true. Uh, So from uh, funny to horror and then back to lighthearted... Uh, old uh, Dr. Larry Nasser, the unspeakable uh, pervert and victimizer of little girls and young women, uh, is being sentenced and has listened to days and days of his victims blasting him and the uh, lawyer blasting him pre-sentencing, as is our uh, sacred tradition in this country. Um, he's allowed to address the court himself. I was told that during this statement, he at times 
swiveled in his chair, turned around to talk to the victims and the people behind him, then kept turning the same way to continue addressing the court. And then he did it again, did this like theater in the round thing where he's turning around and and, and the judge at one point tells him to stop it, which is good. But uh, here's the monster. It's just a short statement. Um, Your words these past several days, your words, your words, have had a significant emotional effect on myself and has shaken me to my core. I also recognize that what I am feeling pales in comparison to the pain, trauma, and emotional destruction that all of you There are no words that can describe the depth and breadth of how sorry I am for what has occurred. An acceptable apology. An acceptable apology to all of you is impossible to write and convey. I will carry your words with me for the rest of my days. Okay. Sure. Go ahead and carry him then. Okay. Now go away forever. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Nah, I shouldn't do the funny thing. Something that struck me as funny through my life. When people talk about people getting sentenced to life in prison. Maybe I'll do that in a couple of minutes. But, um, You know, for those of you morons who say, uh, you know, things like this is the most racist country on earth. And you're America haters. Um. You know, we're certainly uh, imperfect and in, in trying to improve. The only person who's, uh, who would ever say that the U.S. is the most racist country on Earth has studied z- zero other countries. But there's something going on right now in uh, Sacramento Superior Court in the state of California in which one uh, Luis Bracamontes uh, is on trial. He has admitted, bragged about killing multiple peace officers, uh, hurting others, putting innumerable people in danger, uh, trying to shoot citizens. It's just he's a monster. He's an absolute monster. He's also been deported a number of times. He's an illegal alien. He has stood up in court multiple times. Hurled the N-word at a witness. Told him he should have killed him. Said he wishes he'd killed more cops. Some terrible things to their families, etc., etc. The uh, United States court system is painstakingly making sure all of his rights are observed. And that his legal defense team gets a chance to prove to the judge and jury that he is mentally ill, should not be held responsible, etc., etc. And in spite of all that, we are going to a hell of a lot of trouble to make sure this multiply deported, illegally present in the country, cop killer, multi-murderer, shouter of racial slurs and disrespect to the victim's families, making sure he gets all of his constitutional rights. You know, there are plenty of bad stories where people didn't get their rights, and we got to root that out and work as hard as we can for the rest of our lives to make sure it doesn't happen again. But um, 
this uh, you know this current chapter is an unbelievable tale of ugliness and also of great principle by everybody trying the case and dealing with it. So it's painful as hell. Sooner it's over, the better. But anyway, thought I'd mention that. So you got this uh, Nasser monster being sent to prison. Um, and and he, the, the, he is not the end of the story. Michigan State and USA Gymnastics have a lot to answer for, and they'd better. Um, this, this next part, well, the, the, the show is not for kids. Your kids shouldn't be listening, probably. It's up to you. I'll put it to you. It's up to you. But this next part is not for the kids. So you've got multiple of these gymnasts going to USA Gymnastics or coaches or, or Michigan State or whatever and saying, hey, I went to see Dr. Nasser, and I told him my hip was getting really sore from all my practicing, and he put his fingers in my vagina and messed about for a while. And that can't possibly be right. And USAM Gymnastics and Michigan State or whomever, and, and that, those specific words probably weren't used in, in that way, but the girls made it clear, stuff went on that's completely not right and uh, having to do with my privates and what the hell does that have to do with my hips? And they were told over and over again by Michigan State or USA Gymnastics, No, the problem is you. He's my close friend. He's a great doctor. You should be honored to be treated by him. He's the best gymnastics doctor, and you need to stop saying these things. Multiple times, and for years, this happened. So, this story is not over. Uh, On the lighter side of the horror, it's funny, I hear this all the time. Jack says this now and again. Yeah. Well, I'm glad he'll never see the light of day again. Somebody who's being sentenced to prison. They don't run prisons in the dark. They, they, have, should. they have windows in prisons. You get to see the light of day. In fact, you get to go out in the yard and exercise in it. I always thought that was kind of a funny description. We don't have subterranean dungeons in America. Just wait until I'm in office. <laughs> yeah. All right. Marshall Phillips has news coming up, Marshall. Well, fallout from the Nasser case causes a gold medal gymnast to blast USA Gymnastics. Good. And Facebook so addictive, it should be regulated like cigarettes. Stories coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. Finally. I want to talk about that. And also, you know, we ought to at least mention the story we teased briefly, the biggest corporate heavyweight in America that writes the most checks Mm -hmm. to the most congresspeople, lobbies. And then it spreads gold around the kingdom to get their will. Number one is Google. Whoa! You didn't see that coming, did you? Stay with us. News next. It's the Armstrong and Getty Show. Just telling positive Sean and Marshall off the air that yeah, we were talking about cord cutting. You know, a friend sent along a, a video from a company that that does a really good job of providing you with TV without, you know, the cable contracts and the incredible expense. Moments later, moments later, my provider texts me said, "You've auto paid us uh, your hundred and forty dollars for this month," and I'm like, "Oh, thanks for driving <laughs> a point home." 
Thanks for thanks for really reminding me why I need to do this other thing. Yeah. I think maybe I'll give you a call a little later on today, and we'll talk. We'll talk about me not being your customer anymore. I think as long as I can time shift, I got to be able to tape. Uh, anyway, uh, why Richard Gere says he's not working in the movies these days, and it's pretty interesting. Um, uh, right now, Marshall Phillips has the news. Former USA Gymnastics and Michigan State University Dr. Larry Nasser has been speaking before being sentenced for sexually abusing women and girls. In a trembling voice, Nasser telling the Lansing, Michigan court that the words of his accusers have had a deep effect on him. Your words these past several days, your words, your words, have had a significant emotional effect on myself and has shaken me to my core. Never use the word myself when you mean me. Come on, people. Join with me. Don't use the term myself. I'm sorry. I'm easily distracted. Marshall. Nasser uh, looking at a possible sentence of 125 years later on today. Meanwhile, you've got Olympic gold medal gymnast Sean Johnson slamming U.S. gymnastics over what she's calling a failure to protect young gymnasts. I think gymnastics is the best sport in the entire world. But if I had a daughter right now, I wouldn't put her in it. Johnson, the star of the 2008 Olympics, posting a video on YouTube saying USA Gymnastics has failed their athletes so terribly. I can't decide if it's a good thing or a bad thing that it's the winter games that are about to start. Because if it was the summer games and we were going to be asked to all applaud and ooh and ah and worship our little tumbling pixies, that'd be a really different vibe this year. Yeah. Very much so. Looking at the coaches, looking at the officials, walking along. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, I do love the winter games, though. San Francisco supervisors have indeed replaced Columbus Day now with Indigenous Peoples Day, saying they want to honor Native American people and condemn the atrocities they suffered. L.A. and Minneapolis are among the cities already renaming the holiday to celebrate people who were here before the arrival of Christopher Columbus. And in the latest of many recent slams against Facebook, Salesforce CEO Mark Benoff said in a CNBC interview, the social network giant is addictive like cigarettes and should be regulated like a tobacco company. The tech industry CEO saying, I think that you do it exactly the same way you regulated the cigarette industry. Here's a product, cigarettes. They're addictive. You know they're not good for you. There's a lot of parallels, he went on to say. Yeah, well, there are some not parallels, too. Cigarettes that are addictive, and they give you cancer. Facebook is addictive, and it gives you douchiness when you post about <laughs> politics. Uh, there, there are plenty of differences. Well, and as a liberty-loving man myself, yes. I would like it to be known and widely understood and taught how addictive mm-hmm. and damaging social media can be, especially for kids. I want everybody to know that, but I don't need my nanny to step in and, and pass a bunch of laws. I remember Armstrong Getty talked about Sean Parker, who was the founding president of Facebook, when he said in November that he and other executives of the company were guilty of having created what he called a social validation feedback loop right, to make Facebook psychologically addictive. Right, and and that's unquestionably true for everybody, and especially children and adolescents who are at the most vulnerable time of their lives. They're forming their self-image, and simultaneously, they're becoming addicts who then, and this is the parallel, you want to talk about parallels at work. If you are a child drug addict, 
in the streets of, well, any city in America. And you, as a child, an adolescent, a teenager, whatever, are out on the streets because you need to score. We all know the horrors that those kids endure. Right. Well, there you are. You're an incredibly vulnerable person. And you've been turned loose on the worst street in town, the Internet, where there's more cruelty and abuse and, and hatred and, and, and trying to put others down so you feel better about yourself than, than, than anywhere else on Earth. And it's just, it's a terrible idea. Yuck. New report, millennials are spending 10 hours a week on their high-tech love machines. You know, if you can't find love in real life, there's always the internet, right? Study of 5,000 UK adults 18 to 30 reveals men are spending an average of 85 minutes per day on dating apps. Women spending 79 minutes a day on the apps. So that equals to almost 10 hours per week for both men and women. You buying this positive, Sean? So I'm still trying to. So dating after love machines. Love that's machines. Okay. Yes, a new type of love machine. Well, I'm just a love machine, uh, but for nobody but you. <laughs> yes. Uh, to quote the hit song. Um, I mean that sounds about right. If, like if, for it's obviously not all people. It's people right. who are on yes. dating sites, right. or is it all people? I mean, because that would suggest that. Well, so they're averaging it out. The 18 to 30 year olds. Well, yeah, but know. I'm talking about if it's all 18 to 30 year olds, there are a huge segment of that population that are not on dating apps. So then so the people the- who are on the dating apps are on it for like right. 11 hours a day. Right. And I can't believe that's true. But anyway, accepting it. So eight, if you use it, the fellas, what did you say, 85 minutes a day? Yeah. What do you think? I, I could see that being believable. A little more than an hour, hour and a quarter, hour and a half. Yeah. Every uh, day. That sounds like a high. It that does. sounds like a lot. I mean, if you're swiping left, swiping right, the idea is it doesn't take long. If you're doing a Match.com or a whatever yeah. your favorite is, I don't know what but they are. But it's also, you know, five minutes walking down the hall here, right. another two minutes walking right. down the hall. You know, it's it's not a continuous oh, time yeah, right. thing. And that's what they're Good saying. It, it's broken up into segments throughout the day. Yeah. You go back, you go back, you go back. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. All, All right. right. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. Why don't you find love like we did the old-fashioned way at the Sock Hop? Yes, indeed. <laughs> the barn dance. Jimmy right. is a nice roller rink. Down at the old barn dance. Yes. <laughs> All right, Richard Gear. Try to hit on that. A gerbil. Hey, 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 whoa. Sorry, button slip. Whoa. Really? Oh. Really not called for. Uh, plus, uh, stepmothers are evil. And more. Stay with us. It's the Armstrong and Getty Show. Petering out next. This is Armstrong and Getty. The voice of the West. a love machine, you probably shouldn't sing like that. <laughs> More like a helping me pick out the drapes machine, if you know what I mean. Ah, but you know, you might have a love machine going that way. Who, who am I to do? What, what uh, group is this again? It's the Miracles. The Miracles. Right! Yeah. Alright, that's, that's plenty of that. Good lord. <laughs> So, uh, welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show. 
Uh, stepmothers, the evil stepmother. Is there something to the stereotype? Um, and I say that with all due respect to the fabulous uh, work and, and patience and love people in blended families uh, have to do. But there's something to it. Uh, also, the Richard Gere thing. Uh, why he's not in movies these days. Hey, uh, Sean, how close are you, do you suppose? Oh, he's editing something for me real quick. The judge just seconds ago uh, sentenced the evil, evil, rapey gymnastics doctor. Um, I'll give you a hint. Brought the hammer down. Do we have that ready? She's a bit of a slow talker. Do you want the full 90 seconds? Oh, man. Yeah, go ahead. It is my privilege on counts one, two, five, eight, ten, and eighteen and twenty four. To sentence you to 40 years, and when I look at my cheat sheet, 40 years, just so you know and you can count it off your calendar, is 480 months. The tail end, because I need to send a message to the parole board in the event, somehow God is gracious, and I know he is. And you survived the 60 years in federal court first, and then you started my 40 years? You've gone off the page here as to what I'm doing. My page only goes to 100 years. Sir, I'm giving you 175 years, which is 2,100 months. I've just signed your death warrant. 175-year sentence. Seems about right. All right. Well, and so he goes into the stripy hole for the rest of his godforsaken days. That was something. Uh, So, uh, Richard Gere, why would I care about Richard Gere? I don't really care about Richard Gere one way or the other. I don't dislike Richard Gere. I just don't care. He did an interview, he was talking to the folks at Vanity Fair about why he's not in movies these days, not in any movies, you know, that are big release type movies. He's making indie films right now, little movies with uh, really cool creative people and and loving it, by the way. He doesn't care that he's not in the big movies. It's because China hates him. And you can't make a big movie without either A, Chinese financing. China finances much of Hollywood these days. So not only is Rapywood a collection of insufferable social justice warriors and or hypocrites and or uh, rapist enablers who then go crazy showing their virtue when it's safe to do that. Um, not only are they all those things, but they're under the control of the communists who whose human rights record is a nightmare. But so anyway, uh, Richard Gere is, a, you know, he's a Buddhist. He's a friend of the Dalai Lama. He's specifically a Tibetan Buddhist. 
and uh, has called out China for their human rights uh, violations through the years. And he said, yeah, he's had a handful of film projects canceled. The directors had to call him and say, I'm so, so sorry. We can't do this because our financing got canceled when they found out you were in it. Or this one, I was going to, he says, quote, there was something I was going to do with a Chinese director. Two weeks before we were going to shoot, he called saying, sorry, I can't do it. We had a secret phone call on a protected line. Um, if I had worked with this director, he and his family would never have been allowed to leave the country ever again, and he would never work. Um, so they, you know, they had to cancel the the movie. And again, he says he's really happy because he made plenty of money, and right. he's making art with people who he really appreciates. And he said, and this is some finely tuned sarcasm. If you're a movie fan, he says, "quote I'm not interested in playing the wizened Jedi in your tent pole." <laughs> Um, that's some good sarcasm right there. So there you go. As you're slurping up the Oscars and who, who actually does watch the Oscars with wonderment and admiration at this point? Oh, that reminds me the, uh, the national progressive radio that for some reason gets my tax dollars. I flipped to them yesterday. They were taking, they're talking about the Oscar nominations. It was in an unintentionally hilarious and frustrating. They, went over every one of the major categories and talked about who should win based on the social justice atmosphere in America and or Trump. They said, who should win the best actor? And they said, well, the traditional uh, choice would surely be the, you know, uh, Gary Oldman, the white man playing Churchill Uh, and blah, blah, blah. But who I'd really like to see win is... And they mentioned uh, the young uh, gay fella or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and then they talked about what movie they like uh, uh, should win the Oscar. And it was all about the way people would vote based on their desire to be virtuous this year. It was weird. There was no mention given of, like, this was clearly the best movie. Right. Or this was clearly the best performance. It was, right. it was all social justice analysis, which was nuts. Now, you could answer, you could counter by saying, Look, all these freaking performances are great. What, what do you want me to choose on? Eh, you know what? That might be a point, but it was pretty pathetic. The idea of, uh, you know, a meritocracy has been abandoned completely. So, eh, to hell with it. Uh, let's get a final thought, huh? Hey, hey, you know. I'm strong and getty. I'm getting ready. Call final thoughts. Uh, let's get a final thought from everybody. Uh, Michelangelo, your final thought. Uh, my final thought is to our friend Jack. Just get better and don't bother coming in until maybe, I don't know, two weeks from now. <laughs> Stay away. Uh, unclean, unclean. Marshall Phillips, your final thought. Well, camels get Botox treatments to beautify their pouts. I'm heading out to have bovine bone implanted in my mouth, part of the dental implant process. You may know I have both bovine bone and cadaver bone in oh. my, my jaw. Wow. I'm like a zombie cow freak over here. (laughs) Um, Positive Sean, your final thought? Special shout out to all the ladies who banded together to take out the uh, the Dr. Monster guy. Not even going to say his name. It's not easy work defeating a monster, but you guys all did it. The work doesn't stop there. Michigan State, USA Gymnastics, we're looking at you. What's up? Amen, brother. What's up? My final thought goes out to John Anglin. If you're still kicking one of the uh, 1962 Alcatraz escapees who allegedly wrote a letter to the coppers a couple of years ago. Saying, hey, I'm alive and not well. I got cancer. I could use some medical help. I'll tell you where I am. Yeah. Um, and they, they, you know, they didn't follow up on it. Uh, man, I hope it's true. I don't even know what he did. Is he like some unspeakable 
victimizer of the innocent? That I don't know. God, we're talking about this uh, Dr. Evil. Right. Um, not not the Mike Myers creation, but you know who I mean. Right. Um, and I'm rooting for this guy having escaped and lived. I should have checked that this... Uh, but he, like, you know, do something horrific? Well, he was in Alcatraz. Yeah, he wasn't a yeah. nice guy. Yeah, right. anyway. Uh, so many people, thanks so little time. Go to armstrongandgettyradio.com. You can follow us, tweet at us, text us, whatever. Uh, if we see, if you see something we ought to be talking about, pass it along. Uh, have a good one. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over! The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. We apologize for our stupidity, and we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. The show's over. What? Bye-bye. Is it really cold in here? I'm really hot. And I'm so sweaty, yet so freezing oh, cold. Geez. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, like, All right. Get, get. That's it. Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West.